Sisters podcast with Nicole and John Ellen. Well, hello and welcome back to the Radical Awareness podcast. Hello. With John and Nicole. (laughs) And this episode, we're going to be talking about the wonderful subject of righteousness or the us and them complex. Mentality. The us and them mentality. So here we are. Nicole's going to kick us off. <laughs> what do you mean? So it's, I have feelings around it. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start with a little, little little, story that I actually, it was just a post I saw on social media yesterday. And this is in no way, how do I say that? I'm sharing it because I want to talk about the danger of the us and them mentality and what's currently happening in the world um, uh, with with COVID and with, with the pandemic and just with different views. But basically this post was someone saying, um, everyone should just get over it. This isn't going away. We'll all just get vaccinated. And any of those stupid people that don't want to get vaccinated, well, they don't get a hospital bed. Wow. So it's, it's these moments where it's kind of uh, laid out like it's a joke, that it's funny, that that we should all just get over it, that, you know, this assumption that obviously vaccination is right and not getting vaccinated is wrong. And this, this, this podcast isn't about us stating our views. It's talking about the fact that there's never ever in the history of humanity, nor will there ever be a time where every single human agrees on one thing. So when you've got uh, a political agenda that is stating that everyone should agree on one thing, we find ourselves in an an interesting pickle Mm. because that's not how it works. And what starts to happen is when the majority believes one thing, but a minority believes something else is a lot of uh, meanness starts to happen. And we fall into this mentality of us versus them, as opposed to we are all human beings and we all have rights and we're all entitled to our opinion. And, when you're on the side of the majority, it's so easy just to be like, oh, but they just need to get over it and then we'll all be fine. But this is a huge breach in human rights. Mm. It really is. And there are so many times in history where humans have decided that they have the correct view and they gather around them people who share the same views and then they decide that people who don't are wrong and i think if we it doesn't take too much of a stretch of the mind to look at history to recognize how bad that's gone mm. how absolutely detrimental to generations and generations afterwards that that is there are so many people still dealing with intergenerational trauma from these types of things from the holocaust from vietnam from so many of these situations from apartheid from i mean the list is ridiculous it's it's, yes and so what we're trying to present or highlight or just kind of unpack in a sense, like really unpack this idea of, of the mentality that Mm. it turns into us and them that we're, we're fighting something against somebody else when at the end of the day, we're all allowed to have our own opinion and our own free choice. And that there is no, and especially speaking directly to the pandemic, 
there is no one solution. It's it, whether you all get vaccinated or not. It's like that's still an opinion, and we still have choice. And just trying to force people into it because you're scared of what the world looks like right now, because you want to be able to go back to your favorite restaurant, isn't addressing the bigger issue that's happening. And fundamentally, if the solution is the only solution that science in this situation, the pharmaceutical industry, the the you know biochemical industry, whatever you want to call it, the political industry, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it an industry, um, that the only solution that they can come up with is that everyone has to get ABC, then it's not actually a solution. If the only way that something's going to work is for everyone to agree, then it's actually not going to work. Because that's never worked. Because that's never happened. And I don't know why someone would think that the entire population is going to get a brain transplant and all of a sudden turn into automatons and machines and robots that just change the channel and everyone will agree. I don't think that's ever going to happen. People have different religious beliefs. They have they have different ethical beliefs. They have different fundamental baseline beliefs that they will not change just because an authority says so. Mm. You're taking choice away. You're traumatizing people. Globally right now. And then making other people who are actually heart-centered good people turn against their neighbors, their family, their friends by saying, just do this thing. You're putting my family in danger. But the whole, you're missing the point. Like we're never all going to do the same thing and it's becoming dangerous and the censorship is really high and it's out of control and we're suppressing people's voices and we're suppressing people's freedom. And we're that digitally is against- burning books is what we're yeah. doing. This is what's happening. It's, it's, it's digital book burning. Mm. And it's completely against all of our human rights absolutely 100% in New Zealand. Mm. And so this, when I saw this post, it's this idea that I respect that that person wants to get vaccinated and believes that that's a good thing for for her and her family. Awesome. You do you. But the, the sadness for me is that she's lost contact with her heart to such a degree that she is saying that someone else who doesn't hold her belief doesn't get access to a hospital bed meaning that the person who had chosen not to get vaccinated for whatever reason can lie on the side of the road and die and she's going to walk past and laugh because they deserved it. That is the danger of us and them mentality. It is completely disconnecting people from their hearts. It is completely disconnecting people from each other and from even just logical compassion. You know, just logical reasoning and critical thinking have all been somewhat taken away, which happens through the lens of fear of saying, there's all this rush, quick, we've got to do this now, or it's never going to go back to normal. I don't mean to alarm any of you, but nothing is normal. There is no normal. This is being played out. We're at what the 18 month mark here, Mm. and it's not going to suddenly go back aside from the fact that there's just so many other perspectives on all of this and it's not as clean as it looks. Um, but yeah, I think the most dangerous thing is the us and them, that when that when people, people who have connected in the past, people who actually like and love each other are turning on each other and harassing each other and trying to take away each other's basic human rights is a very disturbing scene. And I think that when we are adults, but we don't have awareness, we don't have a self-reflective practice, then we're unable to see what we are also partaking in. What are we agreeing to? Do we really want to be the ones that send the Jew 
on the train to go to the nice camp where they'll just live out their days because that's what's happening. Mm. It is very, very, very dangerous mm. to to hold this firm. And I think... No matter which side of the fence you're on. Yes. And I think, I think the the issue with a lot of this perception with this with this social media situation is that people are sharing their views in such bite size mm-hmm, nuggets mm-hmm. that that a moment of irritation and frustration can be thrown into a post and put out to the world and then it's presented as their identity and their belief system mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. those little nuggets that people are throwing at each other and disagreeing in these truncated sentences or an, an emoji, an emoticon, these moments that we're using to define each other and to kind of push someone into a side, whether it's Republican versus Democrat, whether it's North versus South, whether, whether it's Vax versus anti-Vax, no one actually exists wholeheartedly on one side because the sides themselves don't actually exist and they're only proliferated by such things as social media where no one spends the time to actually fully describe their point of view to the point where if they started to voice everything out loud they would realize that they're not on one particular Mm. side they don't want someone else to die they don't actually think that and this could all be so much cleaner. Mm. If we weren't so reactive, if we were able to use awareness to not to respond and to not react, then we would seek more understanding, mm. which as we know leads back to love. And I'd be like, oh, I understand that. Thank you for fully sharing. It's not a two-sentence conversation. Mm. And both um, John and myself have been uh, put in the anti-vax uh, column. Mm. And neither of us identify as what what gets called as anti-vaxxer. I don't know anyone who's an anti-vaxxer. And trust me, I know a lot of people on this side. <laughs> but I've never met an anti-vaxxer. I have met people who are pro-choice because of their own personal experiences, through the experiences of their own bodies and their children's, and their experience of, of research, right, of, of learning in different ways. And so I want to share a little bit of my story because – I think it's valuable to take the time um, to actually understand why different people have different views. And for me, as a child, I was fully vaccinated. I was also at 19 or 20, um, I had the HPV vaccine, which I really didn't want it. My mother wanted me to have it out of her own. You know, she was had a lot of pressure from the GP that I should have HPV. Um, and... I, it felt wrong then, but I didn't. I knew nothing that you could oppose vaccines. I didn't know anything about this topic, but it, I just didn't want it for whatever reason, but had it. Um, and it was when I first started training, it was actually my first yoga teacher who gave me a book on, on vaccinations. I'm pretty sure it was the one by Susan Humphreys, Humphrey. Anyway, the in the first chapter that I read, it talks about um, – some of the adverse effects from childhood vaccinations is actually hormonal epilepsy. Now, I was very shocked because at age 14, I was diagnosed with hormonal epilepsy after having a horrendous seizure in my school library, which terrified the living 
bejesus out of me and was a horrible experience. And I had epilepsy up till I was 22 um, and had seizures and a lot of fear, which led to anxiety and panic attacks through my life. And a lot of my teenage years were robbed from me because of that, um, from that perception. So when I read that, I was very, very curious to be like, oh my gosh, like we have no history of epilepsy in our family, nothing like that. But this had come out of nowhere. And my sister also had epilepsy at 14 years old. So I started, that was my uh, entry point into wanting to do more research and to understand and to just see both sides of this story, this narrative. I was never an anti-vaxxer. I was pro-curious and I was pro-choice because something happened to me that wasn't good. And then, you know, as I've got older and been with my beautiful husband, I have not been able to conceive a child. And so that also got me looking into lots of things like HPV and my childhood vaccinations and actually the rates that it does influence on fertility. And I'm not saying that I know 100% that vaccinations uh, led to maybe my state of infertility, but it makes me wonder and question things and do more research. And so I am not an anti-vaxxer. I am pro-choice. I am pro-science. I'm pro-good science. Mm -hmm. I am not I am anti-scientific dogma and pro-science and I'm very pro-choice. And so during all of this and watching it, I do not just jump up and down when the government tells me to go and get a vaccine because they've said it's safe. I will do my own research and I will look at things and I will hear stories and I will wait to see what my body wants to do and my own wisdom because I have learned from my past and I have learned that actually I'm an autonomous being who can find out more information. And to be very clear again, I am pro-choice yeah. and pro-science because the amount of times we have been called anti-science is outrageous considering we spend most of our lives researching in all different you know, forms for what we do, which is either philosophical or scientific research. And to be called that as just some sort of bizarre fear-mongering tactic of creating more of this gap of this us and them. And it seems easier for people who don't want to maybe have a conversation with us honestly to just put us into a box. And I'm unsure if that maybe makes them feel more comfortable. And I too have done the same thing of then feeling the anger of, of that other side of, of saying them. But now where I'm at, it's being like, no, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, their own understanding of this. If they feel good about getting vaccinated, they should do that. And if they don't, they should be able to access more information. Mm. And we should all, all of us should be allowed informed consent. Mm. And it becomes less of a vaccination discussion and more very much of a philosophical discussion mm -hmm. around freedom and choice and around this concept of trauma and a trauma-informed world. A trauma-informed world would be offering invitation and choice at every opportunity mm -hmm. and so here we have a situation that doesn't feel like an invitation and I know fundamentally at the moment there is legality that is holding us safe as people who choose not to be vaccinated um, in this particular pandemic situation that we do have that choice but it is a very very difficult choice to voice it is a very very challenging thing to stand up and say this is the choice i want to make for my particular reasons now my own personal reasons are that anytime a needle goes near me my body rejects it 
whatever that might be. I've attempted to get give blood and I was banned because I I seizured, I passed out. I attempted to get a tattoo and seizured. Um, I recently got an injection of another form, not a vaccination injection, and it happened again. So my body and needles, they are very much not compatible. They're not. Um, and so the curiosity to me is that if this particular pharmaceutical substance, this particular drug has the potential to prevent a disease, then why is it only offered in needle form? That's a curious discussion for me. That's a a big side note to what we're actually discussing. (laughs) But um, I think it's also an important thing to sit there as, uh, oh, why is that? Why couldn't it be offered as a liquid drop? Why couldn't it be developed into a pill? Why couldn't it be, why does it have to be put into a vein? Is it because the technology isn't good enough? Is it, anyway, besides from that, not every single human is the same. And the amount of adverse reactions to vaccinations is very, very high. And they obviously, they have a scale. Adverse reactions go from, you know, a red sore spot at the site of entry all the way through to death. And obviously that's quite a big scale. Mm. (laughs) Um, And anaphylaxis, um, rashes, all of those things happen as a result of any kind of chemical put on the body. But they don't happen to everyone. The reason they don't happen to everyone is because everybody's body is different. We're all made up of different things. We've all had different life trauma. We've all consumed different things. We've had different genes with different lineages, etc., etc., etc. But also different beliefs, right? And different beliefs. And so there's no one drug that's going to work for everyone. And so at the same time that not everyone's going to agree, also it's not everyone's going to have the same effectiveness, no matter how many times you give it to them. And so it's a very, very confusing thing to think that people would consider if everyone got this, the problem would be solved. That's not going to solve it. And that's what we're trying to say mm. is it's like, it's, it's okay that you're scared. It's okay that you want this to go away. It's okay that you're overwhelmed oh my God, and you're scared we want for to your go family. Like we get that, mm. but there is, there is more to the story. And it's saying that, that assuming all of us just getting one thing or doing one thing or acting in a certain way, isn't the solution. It's just not the solution. And that we are starting to turn on each other. And you know what, this is what what needs to actually change is it's like, have compassion. Can you find compassion for myself? It's like, can I find compassion for people who, for that friend who does want to vaccinate the whole world? And can she find compassion for me? And can we actually come together and say, oh yes, let's join together and be in this and find and find other solutions. It's like, there are always other solutions. There are always other ways. This is so much more complex than what the mainstream narrative is leading us to believe. There is just we are very, very powerful beings and we are not these little weak beings that have to hide from this so-called scary intruder. There is more to the story. But the most important fundamental thing is that we we learn how to come together and we understand that it is never us versus them. 
It is us together, understanding each other, listening to each other, actually taking the time to hear each other's stories and our fears and our concerns for our life and our family in the future. And that to me is the most important and worthwhile thing that we can be doing at the moment. And every day coming into our own hearts and just coming back to that place of knowing, that place of connection, that place of unified love and compassion for all beings everywhere. Mm. Yeah, and I think that'll do mm. for this for this. Would episode. you like to finish with a little bit of just meta? Sure. Mm. So as we as we propose this this idea of of being compassionate, and we can do this practice, this very short, simple practice, um, which comes to us from from Buddhism. And the idea is cultivating loving kindness or this meta practice, cultivating loving kindness for yourself and the others that exist in the world. So if you would like to join in, you might like to you know, find a comfortable seat. If it feels comfortable to close down your eyes, go for it. If you're driving, probably not a great idea right now. <laughs> um, I mean, if you feel that excited about it please do you know pull over find we'll just come into your heart find a moment mm -hmm. um, and so we begin the practice by simply noticing the breath and i say simply but it's not always that simple so spend a few moments with yourself maybe your hands come over your heart center space and maybe the hands are one hand on the belly one hand on the chest you find a way to bring yourself to comfort, which might even be lying down. And notice the breath. Notice the breath as it flows in and out of the body. And we'll use the repetition of phrases. And you might mentally repeat them after me, or you might simply listen. Beginning with, may I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. And may I live with ease. And then in your awareness, bring in or begin to think about the world at large. And think of us as one entire family, humans, animals, insects, all beings. And may all beings be safe. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings live with ease.
loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. The Radical Awareness Podcast.